Um, I have, yeah, I have the, the great privilege of bringing the sermon today, and it's so, it's always an exciting time. Um, this one was handed off to me um, by somebody who was supposed to, to, to preach, but I, I have the, it was a joy to like really sit with, a, with this. So um, I pray that what is brought today would give life to you because it is God's word. And um, I just want to start off with a little story. Um, you know, we just sang and we prayed about this uh, you know, this, this conflict and, um, you know, over the course of, uh, my engagement and dating and marrying Alessia, I've gotten to know her family and her mom is, uh, one of these people who has this incredible deep source of trust and faith in God to the point where last week she flew to Poland, um, because she has some centers there that help women in unplanned pregnancies and, um, in Poland, and also, yeah, this is her arriving in Warsaw, maybe, or Poland, yeah, is that the same place? Um, and, uh, but not just that, she didn't, she didn't stop at Poland, she's like, I want to be in Ukraine, I want to be there to help these refugees, so I think tomorrow she's actually going to be in Ukraine, so she's one of these people who I've seen in my life that just exudes this deep trust and rich faith in the, in God that she's willing to put her life in danger to help others you know and and I want to start off by asking what how does she have that kind of faith like what is it that um that she is grabbing a hold of that she is saying you know um I'm going to do this and and how can we have that same kind of trust in difficult circumstances so um we've been studying Zechariah the book of Zechariah how how many of you have enjoyed it so far um how many of you have been challenged by it <laughs> yeah it's so cool I, when Andrew told me that we were going to Zechariah I was like oh this is the Bible nerd's most juicy burger, you know? Oh, man. We went to True Burger yesterday and had a mushroom burger, and it was just, I'm still in the, in the juice, you know? <laughs> um, but the context uh, is important for us to understand is that um, God's judgment had actually come to Israel. And this came through the scattering of Israel to different nations, including um, Babylon. And we call this the exile. Uh, but then it, God, in his mercy, he, um, he brought people back to Jerusalem from Babylon to rebuild the temple. And this is the post-exilic um, time. This is when Zechariah was was written and at the same time that his house is being built um, we've been told that the nations are living at ease you know and God is pretty he's not he's not happy with that um, but judgment is going to come upon them too and um, last week pastor Andrew shared this vision um, that uh, wickedness was being taken to the land of the north, to Babylon, to make a house for it. And so right now in Zechariah chapter 6, we see that um, there's this growing contrast between these two houses. On one hand, you have the house of God that... Um, Pastor Paul said, you know, it, he's, God is going to build this not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And then on the other hand, in chapter 5, you have this house of sin that is being uh, built um, in rebellion to God. 
And so you have this, these two contrasting houses that are being built. So with that understanding, let's read Zach, Zechariah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And if you, have, if you have a Bible, if you need a Bible, there's some in your front seat, hopefully. Page 747. We used to say that a lot. Like in the Bible in, in front of you is on this page. So 747. Um, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Again, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, four chariots came out from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of bronze. The first chariot had red horses, the second black horses, the third white, and the fourth dappled horses, all of them strong. Dappled is like speckled, speckled or like, I don't know, if polka dot maybe. Um, Then I answered, verse 4, then I, Zechariah, answered and said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my lord? And the angel answered and said to me, these are going out to the four winds of heaven after presenting themselves before the Lord of all the earth. The chariot with the black horses goes toward the north country. The white ones go after them. The dappled ones go toward the south country. When the strong horses came out, they were impatient to go and patrol the earth. And he said, go, patrol the earth. So they patrolled the earth. Then he cried to me, behold, those who go toward the north country have set my spirit at rest in the north country. This is God's word. Um, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism here. <laughs> when I first read this passage, and I'm sure many of you right now are like, what is going on? I, I don't But, um, but I think to help us, I, I loved Pastor Paul's definition that he gave us about visions. Um, and the purpose of a vision, of a vision is making vivid an encouraging spiritual reality that eclipses a discouraging worldly circumstance. So the purpose of chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 is to help us have a vivid, encouraging spiritual reality. And you can see it's vivid, right? There's horses, there's bronze, there's all sorts of things uh, to, to contrast or eclipse. I love that. Dis- a discouraging worldly circumstance. So in the case of Zechariah and Israel, the, this worldly dismal circumstance that Israel is, has found itself in is that they feel that they are at the mercy of the nations around them. They're at the whim of the rule of these nations. But nothing could be further from the truth. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you've felt at the mercy of someone else. Um, it was nine years ago that I actually arrived here in the, the North, uh, or the North California, North NorCal, um, to, to live and be. But the, the season before that, the, the, it was probably about a year um, that was really difficult for me. So I was at the whim of my circumstances where... Um, there was some trouble, you know, at my church, some trouble at home, and I, I actually moved in with my aunt and my uncle for about a month, and I think it was like two months, but I was like in and out. Um, it was it was really cool because I, even though I was, you know, grown up, I was I think I was 26 at the time, um, 
I, the way that they hosted me, they even provided, you know, cold cuts and they would make me squeegee the, you know, the, the shower, um, what do you call it, glass. Um, there was, they just had a beautiful uh, order and structure that at that time I really needed. I really needed some kind of discipline, you know, because I had sort of, you know, lived with my, my folks and I would come in whenever I wanted and like, you know, two o'clock in the morning, but they had a certain thing, you know, and, and they would ask me, Hey, you know, do you want, what kind of cheese would you like from the you know store? Would you like this to, do you like your meat thin or thick? You know? Um, but that was a really beautiful time. Yeah. You know, like the cuts, you know, um, that was a beautiful time for me. It was very difficult at that, um, uh, you know, in that transition. I had experienced some some really abusive pastors, an abusive, um, you know, church there, and um, and I had to say goodbye to a lot of people that for 25 years had been sort of my main, you know, community. And in in that house that I was in with my aunt and uncle, I remember writing this song. And and I, the first part says I was wandering on into toward a place of death, filled with darkness, lies, and pain. Then you stepped right in and you walked with me, and showed me where my feet should go. And the journey from that point, and still goes on, that, you know, that God, ha- you know, brought me to this community up here. He started a long process of healing from me, um, from a lot of those um, really discouraging places. And I just want to say that behind every discouraging circumstance that we are facing is the Almighty God. And and I want to jump into the text with that. Zechariah chapter 6, it doesn't say in these eight verses um, that God is the Lord of hosts, but I really wanted us to highlight it because I think it, it's going to make sense for us in this passage. Um, I don't know if you noticed in Zechariah, uh, his God's favorite self-disclosure is he calls himself the Lord of hosts. Um, not only is God the creator and sustainer of all things, God is the Lord of hosts. It's actually 53 times in 14 chapters. That's over, I don't know, I can't do the math. Um, but Lord of hosts, host means these, you know, it conveys angelic armies, you know. And so consider that is his main title toward Israel in this time. When they're at the whim of all these surrounding nations and circumstances, he's like, hey, I am the Lord of hosts. You may not feel like it, but I at my disposal, I have myriads of angelic armies, supernatural forces that will do my will. And um, yeah, God in this title, he is communicating that he has ultimate power, command, and he is almighty and powerful. So the world's, and we see it today, the world's socio-political governors and governments may seem to have autonomy and military might, But at the end of the day, they pale in comparison to the Lord of hosts. And we see in this this passage that the Lord of hosts is sending out his war chariots from the midst of these two bronze mountains. And the bronze mountains, um, you know, 
think of just like picture these huge, huge mountains. Um, they, they're, they're rich in their tone, you know, sort of gold, sort of copper tones. They're heavy, bronze. I don't know if you've ever tried to lift it. Uh, it's heavy. Even just having like a slide guitar of bronze, you know, the little guitar slide. Um, they, they most likely represent God's um, immutability and meaning like he doesn't change. He cannot be moved. Um, and the majestic nature of God's decree. So like a king might decree something and, and it's God's word and that word will come to pass. God's command. His, God's word is uh, unalterably effective. You know, he's not like humans. There's a verse that says, God is not a man that he should lie. You know, God's word is going to, to come to pass. And we, it's good for us to consider, we read, we read about it um, in, you know, in our uh, call to worship, you know, uh, that at, God, at God's very word, creation came into being. And nature itself was subject to his command. So God, God's word in Zechariah and for Zechariah becomes a weighty anchor. And we're, we're going to see that even more. Um, so at his word, um, these four marvelous chariots, they emerge from these two, two bronze mountains. And these four chariots, you know, they're going to the winds of heaven. Um, they're basically these, these supernatural creatures. Um, and Zechariah asks the angel, he's like, what is going on? And the, I love how the angel interprets the vision for him. He says, uh, these are the four winds of heaven. Um, so wind in, in the Hebrew, wind and breath and spirit are sort of the same word. And it's a really beautiful thing. And I think at the end of the day, you know, um, we can ask God in heaven, you know. But I think what God is trying to say through this is that these strong war chariots, these, um, you know, these horses, they're basically animated and empowered by the Spirit of God. They are given life and, and this, this, yeah, power um, through God's spirit or his breath, the word, you know. Um, and it evokes to mind um, this, this passage in Psalms, uh, Psalm 104, verse 4. He makes his messengers his winds, his ministers a flaming fire. And I love singing this morning, you know, let's let us in Revelation, uh, the song in Revelation. It says, all the saints and the angels are gathered around God's throne. And it's good for us to remind ourselves of these things. Sometimes we get so granular in our lives, right? But we remember that God has, he, he is the Lord of hosts and he has these, um, these supernatural beings. They present themselves before the Lord um, verses uh, four and five. It's 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 this majestic, uh, marvelous, um, sort of cosmic throne room. Um, you can just imagine the Lord sort of sitting on the throne. We sang about it today, and imagine these you know horses and chariots like rolling in, or I, I don't know how the, if they roll or they float, you know. But imagine them and and the sound that they might make, you know, as as the the, the the hooves of these horses are like pounding through this supernatural sort of throne room. And, and you hear the, the rushing of the air from the lungs of these horses, like, you know. Um, 
But these these are, are special uh, angels, sort of special. Um, they they have a function and they have an office, and of and this function and office is that they they do watching, they patrol, they watch, and they bring back the report to the Lord of Hosts. There's um you can find some scriptures in uh, throughout the, the Old Testament you know I put Daniel four seventeen Second Chronicles sixteen nineteen um, these these two passages say like the the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro the whole earth and then in Daniel fourteen there's this thing where he says that by the decree of the watchers so this angelic office and function that is really um, stands out from from maybe what we might think of an of an angel. So these chariots are being sent out to do his work. And what is the work that they are being sent to do? And I, I think it's, it's, it's basically to ensure that the temple would be rebuilt. And the way that, that we see this, you know, we're talking about war and conquest with these, with these chariots. It is through um, Persia's conquest of Babylon. So um, the, the chariots are sent specifically to the north country. And remember when, when Pastor Angie was saying that the north country is Babylon. They're building this house for Babylon of sin. Um, these symbols start to give us a rich understanding of what's going on. So the northern and the southern lands that these chariots are being sent to, they are symbols for, I already said, Babylon. And then the southern land is Egypt. Um, and throughout scripture, you find that Babylon is not just a nation that, it, you know, started, um, you know, much later in history. We get, Andrew explained that this, this is the Tower of Babel. It is this human rebellion, any kind of system, the world system that is in rebellion to God. That is, that is Babylon. And in Revelation, we can read a lot of what happens to Babylon. Um, and in the, in the south is, is Egypt. And in the, in, in the scriptures, Egypt is, is a representation of a power that oppresses the people of God. And so Zechariah is being told that by conquering the north country, that all of the other countries would be subdued, all of Israel's enemies. And, and this happened, actually, in history. And I wish I knew more history. I learned a little bit of history this week as I was preparing. Um, so Babylon was actually, you know, the, the, the people who had taken, the nation who had taken Israel into captivity, they were conquered by this person called Cyrus the Great. And um, under Cyrus's rule, they actually, um, he, he conquered... Um, his descendants conquered Egypt also, and they set up a sort of like a puppet state, you know, from Babylon to Egypt. So by subduing, uh, by the Persians subduing Babylon, they, they controlled Egypt also. And, you know, rejoice in the day of small things, right? Because this is a big thing. It's sort of strange, but this is a huge thing. Huge implication. God's word might have massive implications, you know, uh, in history. So um, the the implications uh, to, to flesh this out a little bit more is that um, so Persia conquered Babylon, and then under King Cyrus he had a decree. And so this is when the, the temple rebuilders, Zechariah and um, Zerubbabel and Joshua, they started rebuilding the temple. Um, but it was halted 
under King Xerxes and Artaxerxes. Um, it stopped for a little while. And you can go to the next slide whenever you get a chance. Yeah, uh, so the rebuilding started under Cyrus. It was halted under his successors, Xerxes and Artaxerxes. So this is the dilemma that we're in. But there was an appeal that was made to uh, King Darius, Darius, and, and they, he pulled out the records that showed King Cyrus's original decree that they would go back to the, to the land of Israel. And, um, and then Joshua and Zerubbabel were recommissioned. And the temple was brought to completion. You can read about this in Ezra 5 through 6. It's really great because, um, you know, Zechariah is receiving this, this almost insignificant vision, right? Like, if I told Ryan something, he'd be like, cool, man. But he wouldn't necessarily know the implications of the, you know, the history and, and God sort of taking the nations and making something much bigger from that one word. Um, it's, it's really great. So this message in Zechariah is uh, intended to encourage the immediate recipients. Um, Joshua, Zechariah, uh, there's two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. Um, but they also, they contain, this message contains a timeless revelation of God's ultimate power so, to help us put our trust in him. Um, if you, if you read on in, in the Old Testament, you'll find that the, the, the rebuilding of the temple was not the final thing. There's actually more people that come. You know, the Romans eventually in Jesus' time. But God was doing something here to remind his people that he is sovereign. And one day the true house of God is going to be flawless. So it was a couple years ago in 2020 when, when um, does, who remembers Ocean View? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a lot um, of work to get everything going. Oh, yeah. Um, so before, yeah, before we had this space, for those of you who don't know, we used to meet at Ocean View uh, Elementary School in Albany. And we got, uh, you know, there was a, a, our grandpa, grandma church that we used to meet here. We, we um, folded with them. And this was a really interesting time in my life where I felt like God was telling, I, I did feel a vision and a word where he was just telling me, build my house. And I thought it was a house of prayer. I, I was like, God, what kind of house? But at times it was a literal house. Like we, this is, we drove that cherry picker through that little door. We had to take off these doors. There's been so much work done on this specific place um, at EC campus. And it was a huge challenge. Like, I don't know how to drive a cherry picker. And then we would hear the creaking of the plywood here as the cherry picker is, it's like solid over there, but up to this point, it like is plywood, you know. Um, and I, you know, I'm not an engineer. I don't really know these things. I just know when it sounds like creaking, it's not that stable, you know. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, we put up these uh, projectors and lights and all sort of things. Um, and then the pack, you know, we got it all ready and prepared. And, and then the pandemic hit like a couple months later. And we were feeling so discouraged, you know, like, oh man, all this work to try and prepare the house, you know, this, this house here. And, um, but God in his mercy, you know, he, he, he helped us, you know, pivot all these things 
Uh, but pandemic was not just hard for this house and the church house. It was hard for our house. Like, you know, we had to figure out how to, um, we'd been married for how much time? Like about a year, no, six months, five months? Five months? Yeah. And I'm old, you know, I'm like cranky and, and set in my ways, you know. Um, and, and, and Alessia would go to work in the morning and, and then I'd be, I'd be so peaceful. It's like 7.30. I'd like do a slow uh, breakfast, coffee, read my Bible, you know, like, oh, it's so nice. Go into work around nine, you know. But then this pandemic hit. She's there teaching her classes online because, you know, no, no students are allowed to go. And, and, and so the house is full of, I won't say, it was melody and beautiful things. It was house of, <laughs> but for me, I was like, my space. Like, where's my space? Um, that was really hard. And then throughout the pandemic, you know, we, we, we experienced as a church, you know, all this loss. And we saw on social media the, the pressures that were being created, both, I think, by evil powers and also, you know, the, the sin in our own lives. The differences were becoming really evident. Um, you know, things like racial tension and, and all sort of things like that. And, you know, so we, we labored unto the house. And, and I think Jesus wants to remind us that no matter how we build our earthly house that there is a greater house that he is going to complete, you know, in heaven. And um, I love this phrase uh, from Matthew sixteen eighteen. Yeah, oh, uh, actually, you can put the rest of the slides, I think. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I remembered. I messed up. Okay, just go back one. <laughs> oh, there you go. So Jesus, Jesus... <laughs> he said, in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that is a, a helpful reminder, you know, like these bronze, this bronze mountain, a promise of God's word that something is going to happen that will not be shaken. And, um, you know, so I just want to celebrate right now that that EC campus is you know this church building is looking more beautiful than ever you know that with the work of Nicole and Keith and Rob Hansen like he replaced all these lights I'm gonna give shout outs to Rob he replaced all these lights they were kind of rusty and old he repainted them got new um what do you call housing I don't know you guys are smart ones I don't know <laughs> Um, yeah, he did all the, the nice things. And then um, Rob Mosher helped put these acoustic panels. There are so many people, and I, there are so many people over the last two years that have been collaborating and, not, and, 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 and lending their efforts to make this place beautiful. Um, you know, we're, we're looking more beautiful than ever because our masks are coming down. Somebody joked about all of us with unveiled faces, you know, are, uh, are, are now in our, each other's presence. Um, I, I want to give glory to God with the, the prayer lab that we had at the beginning of this year. There was 18 people, um, that joined and through that are the, the, the prayer team grew, which only happened in the last two years, last year probably, that this prayer team has grown. People like Theo, where's Theo? He's 
outside. Oh, he's outside. Okay, well, hey, Theo. People like Theo and Rebecca, and um, now Brenda is a part of it, and Irene, and uh, Susan, and Danny Helms, who's in Port Portland, uh, Seattle. And Gary Chang, like all these people have formed, and we're, we're just trying little by little to rebuild the house. Um, there's a, a, a picture, oh, uh, our home group started, yeah. Um, this home group started during pandemic. You know, rejoice in the day of small things. It was just Ong Lip, Lucy, myself, and Martin for a few weeks. They're like, hey, can we meet on Monday? Sure. And then suddenly it sprouted into this beautiful thing. I love my home group. It's so life-giving and, and wonderful. Shout out to, to the Monday home group. Home group. Um, New City Church. Oh, oh, Nicole, there's a picture of Nicole. Yeah. Nicole install, installed this wonderful water cooler. Uh, not cooler. Water spout. Um, and then, yeah, she's been going extra on this place. So you can give her great, great thanks later. Um, and then... Uh, New City Church was planted in the middle of pandemic, you know, talk about faith, you know, amidst really dark circumstances. Uh, and what a wonderful answer to a community that was experiencing those racial tensions, um, that God would provide somebody who would care for that, that community and, and the voices within that. And then, and then like, you, you know, for Alessia's mom, who who had, you know, these, these pregnancy centers. And who, who would have known? Only God would know that there would be a war that would break out and that she would be strategically positioned to help these people. Um, it's a wonderful thing, you know. Sometimes we forget how big God is. And God is not yet finished with us. And as we come out of this pandemic, I want to encourage all of us to keep doing the work of building God's house. Um, a couple of practical applications. This is the part that I'm really bad at. <laughs> but Andrew really helped me. There's other people. I joke around that he's my sensei, assistant to the pastor. <laughs> uh, if you, get, you guys watch The Office, it's like... <laughs> um, practical applications. Number one is um, submit all... All, all of our loyalties, all our, all our allegiance to the Lord of hosts. Um, loyalty, I, I, I want to read this because I, I feel like it is really well expressed. Loyalty to Jesus will result in the unity and the rewarding of his church. People from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Every other loyalty when submitted will find its greatest expression under his rule. And right now we see, um, you know, we see a, a people that are trying to make sense of their ethnic identity and ethnic distinctions. And those are beautiful, wonderful things. But they will only find their fullness in the church of God. And, and right now we have some friends that attend a, a church that has, you know, a lot of, uh, has this, like, you know, they call it the Slavic community. But even within that, this conflict in, in Ukraine and Russia has create, has, there's, there's distinctions that people are being tempted to hold on to more than being a child of God. And I just think that that is something that we, we should never 
we should submit that 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 loyalty to to the Lord of Hosts. There was this great um, Christianity Today article where uh, Taras Diatlik is that? Do I have to say it with more like Diatlik? <laughs> Taras Diatlik. He's the United World Missions Director, and he was interviewed in Christianity Today. And he was appealing to pastors in, in Russia. He was saying, hey, pastors, you fear prison. Do not be faithful to Putin. Be faithful to the body of Christ. And that is what we need. We need the church to rise up and not be faithful to our sociopolitical governors. At the end of the day, um, we must be faithful to the Lord of hosts. So we ask the Lord of hosts, to make this war to end. Um, and it's important to have this allegiance because at the end of the day, rebellion will result in judgment. And Jesus is going to come again. And the kingdom of God will be poured out in all its fullness upon the earth. And the patience of the Lord of hosts will be no longer. He's going to unleash these, you know, mighty uh, armies of heaven. And in Revelation, it says that he's going to reward those who fear his name and destroy those who destroy the earth. So let's rightly fear the Lord of hosts under the blood and the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, number two, let's remember God's past interventions. So Zechariah and Zerubbabel and Joshua, they could point to this moment in history and be like, God did something. I had this, you know, this dream. I don't really know what it meant, but throughout time, that dream meant something. And for us, we need to celebrate God's faithful hand of the past. Remember how far he has brought you. Um, you know, I need to remember. It was really good for me. I'm going to start crying. It was great for me to remember how, how God brought me out of the situations that he did. In my past, you know, it was good for me to to recall. I even found the song that I wrote. I was like, I haven't heard this song in a long time. That was written at that time. The voice memo said, you know, 2012. Um, it's good to remember. Sometimes we, we get stuck in our circumstance, but if we recall how God has been faithful to us in the past, it's going to help us get to the future. Um, remember God's testimony of his, of his people throughout time. And um, yeah, let God's unchanging character and victories of the past guide the way that we face new and current circumstances. I love this, uh, you know, the bronze mountains. Um, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus, is, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, number three, let Jesus' house project guide your actions today. Let Jesus' building project guide your actions today. Uh, I don't know if you like watching, what is it, Home Renovation? Or what's that, what's that show that you watch? S homes? Something Homes? Home Improvement? <laughs> no, it's another one where they, it's like real life. People... I don't know what it's called. But imagine, this is what's happening right now. Is God, imagine the, the, you know, the TV screen or the mega, 
a blimp with a screen on it. And on that screen is a TV show where God is recruiting people to build his eternal house. And, you, and, and suddenly he knocks at your door and you are the one to build it. Um, how awesome is it? Are, are we building for now or are we building for eternity? And I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, yeah, whoever, this is Paul speaking, uh, whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. And I just want to encourage you, Solano, build with precious things. Build now. Because what we do now, it, 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 you know, to quote Gladiator, what we do now echoes in eternity. Um, it really does. It's going to. So let's have our efforts and endeavors be towards something that's going to last for all time. Um, and, and like these chariots that were, you know, the winds of heaven that were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, let us also be like that. Animated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And God, yeah, he, the Holy Spirit pours out his gifts upon his church. Um, and, and I just want to ask us, are we actively cultivating those spiritual gifts? Number four, take a hold of the promises of the Lord of hosts. Well, they're all a little different. Hold on to his promises. Um, and I want to ask, do you have a, a life verse or some kind of anchoring verse? And if you don't, I really recommend you get one or have one. And maybe say, God, I, I would like a, a, a verse that helps me, um, you know, helps me when, when my compass is swir twirling around. I, I need a verse that helps point me in the right direction. Um, last year, it was in September, I actually had a, a little scare. I think it was my right ear where most of the f lower frequencies, I couldn't hear anymore. It sounded like an iPhone, you know, like from my right ear. And I remember that, you know, the 24 hours between that happening, I remember experience going through, through this, um, uh, it was just a, a period of testing my identity. Where it's like, am I... Because I, I would say my ears are maybe one of the best tools that I have, you know, that God's given me. But is, is my value and worth only in that thing? You know, what if I was to be, you know, deaf partially in one ear? And then I, I remember that... Um, the song that we wrote together, Olesi and I, we sang from Psalm 68, 5 through 6, and he said, Our God is Father. Our God is the healer. He's the defender of the weary and the lost, leading out the prisoners with shouts of praise. You know, God is healer. And, and um, yeah, by God's grace, the, you know, home group, Ong Lip and Lucy, they were praying for me. It's, it's come back. It's still like 85%. Um, but that verse, that the scripture really anchored me in that tough time. Um, and then lastly, number five, pray for new temple stones. 
Um, God is going to build his house from every nation and tribe. And his church is the plan for renewed humanity. Um, So for us that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, who is Jesus putting on our hearts to call out of Babylon? And uh, the, the name Zerubbabel just means out of Babylon. Zerubbabel, out of, taken out of Babel. Who is Jesus, Jesus placing on our hearts that, that we might see be taken out of Babel? Um, so, yeah, let's think of, let's just write down two names maybe of people that we have that we want to see added as stones to this eternal house. And let's pray for those. Like, pray for those people in your home group. Um, Actively reach out to them. Um, Yeah, just, you know, part of building God's house isn't just for this current church. It's for the stones that are going to come. And so, positioning and leveraging our lives to get some of those people in is, is a really worthwhile endeavor. And, and you, we will be rewarded. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pray with me and, and we're going to keep singing and, and we're going to do, we're going to do communion. Um, Father, thank you for being uh, such a powerful God, the Lord of hosts. Thank you, God, that at your disposal you have, you know, these myriads of angelic forces, God. And thank you for your patience and your grace toward us um, through, the, through the blood of Jesus that we have access to you. That we don't stand in judgment because of Jesus' blood. And we pray for those who are still in Babel, who are uh, maybe caught up in that house of sin. And we pray, God, that you would take stones from that place and in in your wisdom, God, that you would bring them to this house. Pray that, Lord, that you would help us to leverage our lives around that. Empower us and and animate us, God, the same way that you did these these chariots, God. And help us to remember your decree, like those bronze mountains that cannot be moved. Help us to remember scripture in the tough times. Help us to endeavor for all that you want, God, your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.